0: There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable MCP players to see if they could give something more to the community. The Christmas Present Initiative. Over the holidays, we'll be providing what we are calling the 18 Days of Christmas. We will bring on a different guest every single episode to talk about a different affiliation. And we're going to start off this one with... Jacob interviewing Quinn over Midnight Suns.
1: Hello and welcome to another Christmas Danger Room uh, Christmas Present Initiative episode, this time featuring Quinn Duggan, who's going to be talking about Midnight Suns. Hey Quinn, how are you doing?
0: Oh, I'm doing all right. How are you, Jacob? I'm doing very
1: well. All right, let's get straight into it. How do Midnight Suns go about winning the game?
0: Um, Well, in my experience, which, you know, I mean, this is my experience with every affiliation, pretty much, but uh, they're like killing things. They're like attrition. Yeah. Stab things until they stop moving P- Pretty much, that, that tends to be the best okay. way To deal with your problems I've found
1: um, Why do you think Midnight Suns Are particularly good at that over other affiliations What have they got going
0: for? Um, So I think first of all, uh, affiliated characters There are definitely a number of Beatsticks in there, uh, their leader Blade Like when he can get into someone They're not going to have a good day uh, Voodoo, as we all know, very very Strong character, Um, that mystic builder is brilliant um, like, the the OG Strange is part of the affiliation, um, five dice range for energy doesn't seem great for a five threat, but you throw in the rerolls and suddenly he's a lot killier than you initially perceived him to be. And then you've got, like, Moon Knight who, you know, rapid-fire, rapid-fire characters are always going to be able to pump out a little bit of damage. Uh, it's, it's more chip damage rather than big, full swings, but, like, it, it still serves the same purpose. And obviously... Iron Fist likes fisting people. I've heard that. Uh, And then, like, I mean, other reasons as to why Midnight Suns are rather good at the attrition game plan is a little card I like to call Siege of Darkness.
1: That seems good. Uh, So, I think we know what it does. What have you found are particularly effective ways to use it?
0: Um, So, I like using it in tandem with another card, uh, Bitter Rivals, which recently got put on the restricted list for good reason um combining the two of those at the start of a turn before you've actually decided who to activate with can just give you such a wealth of information to make like the right decisions you need to at a crucial point in the game so you're saying you might do the uh Sorry, talk me through that. So, doing that.
1: Oh, so you mean do the bit arrivals, then do the Siege of Darkness, and see what's left on the table?
0: It, effectively, yeah. And it, like you know, if there was a certain you know target you were going after that you didn't quite get, you can always choose to activate with someone who's able to get into that person and just sort. Of
1: oh, that is it. really really sneaky. I hadn't thought about that actually. Yeah. So before you've even declared your activating character, right? I'm a Bit slow on the uptake, but now I get it. And yeah, I can see the power there. Fantastic. Ugh, horrible. <laughs> Good. Uh any other reasons that you think they're
0: good? Um, I mean vampires are cool. Uh there's that. I was gonna get the leadership. I think the leadership oh, yeah. is fantastic. But Bump and Knight is an insanely powerful leadership. Um I typically break leaderships down in sort of two sections with this game, like the sort of the, the active and the passive, right? So your passive leaderships are stuff like uh Steve's a day unlike any other. You know, they're just sort yeah. of a, a solid boost that's their all game. You don't have to use it actively. Whereas, you know, things like Bump of the Night or um, Strange's Mystic Empowerment, I think it's called, uh, where you have to actively pay power to get use out of the leadership. Um, I think Bump of the Night is the strongest of those sort of active leaderships. Um, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's the best in the game, but it is incredibly good. Again,
1: I want to dig into some particular uses you've found of it, and I know the uses are... It's huge, so maybe some, some particular examples of ones where you think maybe others, people may not have heard of these uses before.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think the typical one is obviously bumping into range to get attacks off. That's always good. You're not moving. Yeah, that's enough said. Um, the other place where it comes in really like key is in terms of extract plays, like round one, um, grabbing something off the midline, And being able to run away with it and effectively reduce the amount of harm you expose yourself to can be incredibly strong. Um, For example, on hammers, um, uh, for those of you that don't know, um, if you have a medium sized base, that's the 40 mil base, I think the 40 40 mil, 50, 50. oh yeah, 50 mil base with medium move um, along with a bump. Will allow you to get within range one of an objective on the midline, uh, which then, assuming you've had the power to use bump and then pick up the uh, the objective, means that you still have an entire move action left to retreat.
1: Yep, that seems good. If only
0: though, because that but that costs you a power, and you got to have a power
1: interact. If only there was a character with two power and a fifty mil base. I know,
0: right. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? Be pretty good. Uh, I, I, I seem to recall an Asgardian release a long time ago that might fit that niche. Oh yeah, it's almost like everyone's forgotten about. Her. Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, so just who are we talking about here? Uh, we are talking about the Queen of Hell herself,
1: Hela. Yeah and i was running her in defenders for a very similar reason before lockjaw came out mm-hmm. and she could jump through pay one to jump through a portal and pay one to grab an extract and then double move away so it's not quite as egregious as that but it's still pretty good yeah. that, uh, that on a 4 threat chassis to get that extract steal yep
0: yeah. and then uh, also in combination with advanced RD, which did see enough with the changes and um, it now has to the power now has to come from the active character uh, but it can still be very useful for what, one of my main game plans on hammers in particular tends to be, you, know, you have, say, your Hella on one side who's going to go up, get that hammer, walk away. On the other flank, you have Voodoo. Uh, uh-huh. yeah. And effectively, with Voodoo, what you can do is if someone goes up and gets the hammer in front of him, uh, depending on their threat value, you can have a pretty good chance of getting that hammer off them. Maybe not necessarily taking it for yourself, but at the very least denying the VPs and obviously yeah. the attack dice it would generate. Because if they're three threat, you start with one power, um, you can advance star and your power on, and then you need to either roll a skull or do a damage with a five-dice mystic attack, which isn't yep. out of this world. Yep. That seems pretty good. So even
1: if you're not going 3-1 up, you're going 2-1 up, and you've got an advantage you can then leverage. Yeah, and then,
0: then you know the, the next round, you've dropped that hammer within 2 of whoever was holding it. Uh, Voodoo can probably just activate and take it. It, it. it delays you a slight bit, but it's still not a great impedance.
1: And even if they've got priority, they're going to have to spend an action going to grab it, yep. unless they're towed or they've got eyes on the prize sitting in their back pocket. Yeah. Okay, that sounds really good. Uh, so... You've talked about six uh, six affiliated uh, characters. Let's dig into them in a bit more detail. So you've got Blade, obviously, so you're running him every game. Do you have a, a kind of a, core, a go-to core that you then build around
0: him? Um, so in the past, uh, before all the changes came into effect, which was the last time I properly played Midnight Suns, um, but I can still transfer my knowledge over, uh, my yeah. core was Blade, Voodoo and Strange, uh, which is a very expensive core, uh, <laughs> No doubt. And uh, just to be clear, that's the original Strange, not Strange Source. Yes, the Strange. original Strange. Uh, the, the only Strange in my mind, because it's <laughs> it a lot cooler. Um, but yeah, so so those three together were the bulwark of my team. Uh, Blade, obviously, there for his leadership. He's also a menace if he can get in close. Um, Voodoo is probably one of, one of, if not the strongest four-threat in the game. And he's affiliated, yeah. so why wouldn't you? Um, um, and strange best as well. I don't think there's any yeah. um, maybe there's two lead
1: ships he likes a bit better, but given that he's affiliated, that seems yeah, like a really good it It's
0: really good. And then uh, strange is there because one um back in the past, obviously, I used to use him as the runner for the other hammer. Uh, now that's not really so much of a, a role he can play. However, um just Strange in general is one of my favourite pieces in the game. Um, he's one of my he's one of if not the my like you know my favourite Marvel superhero. Like I like Strange because he's an asshole. Um, <laughs> but uh, Str- Strange brings a lot of things. Um, bump he's very good with because he can bump into range. He's got a range for attack. He can start plinking people, pushing them around, giving you that control element. Um, he's got, you know, Hoggle's Wisdom to boost people. Uh, that can be really crucial on characters like Blade who have a weak, not necessarily a weaker energy defense, but their defensive tech doesn't work against energy. Yeah, um, certainly. If you're attacking Blade, you want to be attacking with energy. Exactly, yeah. But also, if you're attacking Blade and you're not attacking with energy, uh, Blade uh, yeah. Strange can boost that and then he gets to re-roll as many of the six dice he wants to rather than the four dice. Yep, that seems good. It's pretty good, and then obviously you've got um. I think it's called Oshka's Refuge. I'd have to look that up, but um, the th- three cost, uh, range two, heal three is invaluable. Um, healing is a very premium thing in this game. Um, you know, most of the healing tactics cards are restricted for a reason. Being able to do it every round on a character is very strong.
1: Yep. And then you've got um, his Crimson Bands as well, which yeah. can be win games for you in the right
0: situation. Yep, and there is actually uh, some tech to help you do that in uh, the roster I've put together in the form of that. in the form of Yep,
1: do you want to just explain that tech in case was not aware of it? Um,
0: so Bats the Ghost Hound is a Midnight Suns-affiliated card. Um, and effectively, uh, when a Midnight Suns character uh, rolls attack or defense dice um, during the modified dice step it can pay two power to play Bats, um, and Bats basically lets you pick up any die you've rolled, uh, be it a Skull or any other face, and just change it to whatever face you want, uh, which can be really good strange, because obviously you need that hit crit wild trigger for the Crimson Bands and the Mystic Binding. Um, if yeah. you've got two of the three, two power, boom, you got it. Yeah. So often you get your,
1: your short one. Yeah, so I... I'd have loved that in Defenders. That would have been amazing.
0: It would be pretty good. Yeah. So I can see. And it's, I think Bats is Strange's dog as well. Uh, Bats is Strange's dog that I think Loki accidentally murdered. (laughs) Yep. I mean, at least he felt bad about it and brought him back as a ghost.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so we've got a couple of roster slots of characters to fill out. So we've got Heller in there for your uh, Hammers play, which I like. Uh, that would work on other central extracts as well. Yeah, things like that. So uh, you know, a central, a central cube, or a spider, or a, a um, book. What are they called? The um... Um, Montesi Formula. There we go, Montessi Formula. Uh, so I can see that. I like that. Who have you got then to round out? Uh, Sorry, let's hit the final few affiliated characters. So uh, Moon Knight and Iron Fist you mentioned before. Uh, And Ghost Rider. Oh, Ghost Rider. Brilliant. uh, Let's dig into Ghost Rider. How does he feel as a Midnight Sun now after the buff?
0: Um, He feels pretty damn good. Uh, Like, that range one bump on a large base is a long way, as I'm sure you're aware. (laughs) Um, Range three attacks are always nice. Um, Being able to put out Hex is... Absolutely delightful. The the amount of immunities that Ghost Rider now has is brilliant. Uh, Combined with a voodoo on uh, demons, you have two affiliated characters that are immune to Incinerate, and then you've got a third one in the form of Blade, who, so long as he activates, basically doesn't get affected by it because he can use Half-Blood to get rid of it. Yep, that seems pretty good. Yeah, and uh, Ryder, obviously, um, with the new way his power gain works uh, when people take damage, um, he's incredibly mobile. Like, even without the Sun's leadership, he's incredibly mobile, but now with the Sun's leadership, he can go basically anywhere on the board you want. Yep, again, seems really
1: good. Uh... What about uh, you? You talked
0: about Moon Knight as the rapid fire and Iron Fist. When do you play one over the other? Um, typically, I tend to play Moon Knight over Iron Fist in pretty much all of my games. Um, Iron Fist kind of slots in when I think my opponent's going to have one big threat, and I think I can get Prior, um, which isn't very often, admittedly. But if you know you're yeah. against a wide team that's got a Hulk. And yeah, you've got so the guardian like, really like, tall, you can get that iron fist off at least once in the game and you know that could be a very crucial swing turn for you. For sure. Okay, we've got a few more roster slots to fill out then. So uh, who do you like for beating people up? Um, I mean my man, Zemo. <laughs> Here, Rerolls are good. Re- rerolls are good. Um, rerolls are even more good when you can, you know, clump him up with your entire Midnight Suns cadre and just go okay, uh, Bitter Rival Siege of Darkness, uh, I'm gonna make all these attacks, you're at minus one defense dice, and I'm rerolling at least one of my dice, cause I don't like the fact you exist.
1: Yep. I can see that. Uh, do you find that he's your most maybe, most prominent Splash character there? Uh, yes, yeah. you... I, I, I would
0: say so. Um, obviously, Heller comes in under specific circumstances, and sure. if, if I'm getting what I want, those circumstances are the ones that I'm playing under, but that's not always necessarily the case. Um, gotcha. Yeah, Zemo's just... Zemo has, since the start of the game, uh, and you know, been one of the best three threats around, and he's maintained that position pretty much the entire time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's worth pointing out, Hella is no slouch at dealing out damage either. No, she is not. Uh, And another thing to mention with Hella is, uh, thanks to the Captured Souls, uh, she can put out bleed for Blade. Uh, Yeah, and Zemo puts out bleed as well. Uh, I think you'll find with all of my out-of-affiliation picks is they all do bleed, that's not uh, necessarily why I chose them. It's just a nice benefit alongside the reasons. Yep, I can see that. So we've got two slots left. Who are you putting in them? Uh, Laura and Gabby, X23 and Honey Badger. Yep, they seem pretty good. I'd like they're going to do some more damage. Yeah, uh, they're real good. From the games I played with them, I really enjoyed them. I, I like uh, the sort of five-threat pairing of the two of them. I think that's quite nice. Um, I mentioned with Zemo, you know, boosting the Siege of Darkness turn by having him stand there and give out re-rolls. Um, Gabby can equally just stand in the middle of the enemy team and go, okay, uh, well, I've got Rivals up, and I've got Siege, and I've got Zemo re-rolls. Oh, and uh, yeah, by the way, you're you're on even less defense dice because of Anklebiter. That seems good.
1: Yeah, and maybe you've just been incinerated from a Demon Portal as yep. well.
0: Uh, or, you know, maybe Rivals had to be used uh, earlier in the game, and Gabby's just sort yeah. of a, a follow-up. Uh the rival's arrivals right. Yeah. If, if Gabby's not in the right position for when you want to do it, you can always activate her first, move her in, then do it.
1: Yep, if if you think your siege is gonna be good enough. Yeah.
0: Yep, I can see that.
1: Okay, that's I, that. cohesive uh thing there. I guess one thing I, I haven't run the maths on this, but did you consider lockjaw in that Hella slot for that uh for that sort of trick play? That three threat rather than four. Uh
0: I haven't. I haven't looked at the maths exactly, but if he can make it to a midline extract with his own teleport and a bump, then I could see that being viable. It's just a thing of, um, obviously, he retreats a shorter distance than Hella does, which potentially needs him more yeah. open. Again, I haven't done the
1: maths either sitting here, but you've got two 50mm bases, which are two inches, an inch bump, and uh, a, a six-inch place. I feel like that should be able to get there. Yeah. maybe it's just short but, so then if you double short back then you're going to be even further back than Heller is and she, uh, uh, you in.
0: won't be able to double short because the teleport is in action
1: you're quite right so you only got one shot so you're right even if he does do it he's not as far back so yeah. he's not as safe and he's a lot squishier is that true? Um, yeah. uh, three dice with a reroll squishy. and everything versus four dice um, yeah. and they've comparable. both got four six health I guess he's yeah so they're, they're comparable yeah so maybe that's a, a, an option to consider there, but I do like the synergy you mentioned with Bleed with Hella. But then maybe uh, I, having someone sit on a back point and hand out uh, extra dice damage is another good thing
0: that Lockjaw can do. Yeah, um, I also think Lockjaw puts out Bleed himself on his bite, thinking about it. I, I think if Lockjaw's biting people, something's gone wrong. Oh, I, I, I am quite of the opposite opinion. Every time I've had Lockjaw bite someone, he's just ripped their face off his claws. <laughs>
1: Uh sure. I mean dice is gonna dice. Okay, but an interesting an interesting thing to note that maybe hello, you could do some experimentation there, dear listener. Okay. Uh let's hit on to uh the crises. So I think I know what these are gonna be, but let's uh let, let's see. The let's talk about the demons. I mean the secures. <laughs>
0: I mean, yeah, you, you sort of hit the nail on the head there, Jacob. Uh yeah, de- demons is definitely what this list wants to be playing. Um, because, as I mentioned earlier, two well, two slash three characters that are effectively immune to incinerate um, is very good, especially considering they're all affiliated. Um, obviously, as an attrition team, your opponents having you know less dice is more good, and just generally, it's a slower scoring scenario, which means that there there's definitely more time to get to that tipping point of attrition. Like effectively being far enough along to let you win the game. Yep. Absolutely. So what else? If you don't get demons, what do you like? Um, I've got intrusions in there. Um, Intrusions I hadn't actually played until my cut game against Zach with his convocation. Um, I really liked intrusions uh, playing that game um, because... With the way I build my sons, um, I typically bring strange. I'm obviously bringing blade. Um, I have a decent amount of healing, um, so being able to just sort of pop through a portal to the other side of the board with blade, stab someone and get them bleeding, and effectively undo the damage I dealt myself, whilst you know getting the benefit of being where I want to and getting to do attacks on people that potentially weren't expecting it. Um, I really like. Also, the threat value is nice. Midnight um, sons tend to prefer higher threat levels, just because yeah, they've got you, oh, a very expensive core. Yeah, core at 13. Yeah,
1: I can see that. And you probably want another Midnight Sun in there to get yeah, the most out of seed. Yeah, t- typically and it's York, Yeah, and then Zemo to provide rerolls to make everyone better. Yeah. Yep,
0: yep, makes sense. Uh, and finally, uh, finally, we've got Infinity Formula. Uh, obviously, I'm spending power in order to use my leadership, getting more power, effectively. It somewhat offsets that deficit. Yep. And how do you feel about the shape? Uh, The shape, I don't mind particularly. Infinity is probably one of those places where Ghost Rider slips in instead of maybe Strange. uh, Just because, you know, he can try and win one flank. And then if I do manage that, he can sort of abandon it and go and help out on the other one.
1: Hmm. I I guess following on from that, how do you feel about if you get put onto a D-shape with this roster? Uh,
0: D-shapes I'm not particularly fond of. Um, Once again, I think that's a place where Ryder shines um, because of just his exceptional speed of getting wherever he needs to be, typically without using actions as well, uh, because you've got the range 1 bump with the base size and then you've got a long move with that base size uh, plus a range 3 attack you can probably get into range to deal with whatever's causing you problems. Um, I could also see splitting wider. And sort of, depending on what the extract is and how much I think I'm going to need to play the extract game, uh, I could see myself losing Voodoo and having, like, Blade, Rider, Moon Knight as sort of a cheaper version of the court. It's only one threat cheaper, but it's got a bit more mobility to it because Moon Knight, if he rolls right on his... uh, I always call it the Ketamine die, but that's not what it is. Um, Unstable Psyche, I think it's called. Yeah. But if you roll the crit on that, you're going wherever you need to go. Yeah, and and something
1: which I've found playing Defenders a bit, and this kind of pans out a little bit with your Extract plan, if you get your Extract plan working and you've got an Extract advantage and you're on D, you only actually have to hold two points. Yeah, you can just shift away.
0: And then if your opponent wants to try and keep up with the VPs as they're trying to dislodge whatever extract advantage you have, um, they're going to have to sacrifice resources to sitting on those two other points. Yeah, so they're not bringing their full force to bear
1: unless maybe you're paying the D pay to flip, in which case slightly different. uh, On extremists or um, one like that, then yeah, often they'll have to leave, so they'll have a, a difficult choice between leaving probably a low threat, not very important character, sitting on a point scoring a point, or bringing them into the fray and contributing. But then even then, they're spending move actions to get across, and you can then respond to those move actions by just attacking them. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Let's talk extracts then. So um, what have you gone for for your janky extract play? Well, I
0: mean, Hammers is the premier janky extract play for this team. Um, Having two options on the midline means that you can plan to get one of them regardless of priority, uh, which is always nice. Um if they go and grab the one that Hella's oh like sat in front of, it's not the end of the world. Voodoo can grab the other one. Voodoo is a tanky boy, he can take it. Yep, uh so if you don't get hammers, what else have we got? Uh I've got Spider Infected. Um obviously it's an extract that has a, a midline point on it, uh which is helpful for doing things with Hella. Um also with Spider Infected, uh I chose it over cubes because one, I think Suns can sort of balance the drawbacks of spider Infected better than most other teams, because you get moved short, but you pay a power, you bump one back. Not not back to where you were, but like you're closer to where you were than anyone else would be. Yep, and you might be now within range three, and you've got some range three attackers in there. Yeah, and uh, the other reason I prefer over cubes is... My philosophy with cubes is that it's actually not very good for attrition teams uh, because. Sort of why you think that? That's an uh, so my thoughts behind it are effectively, or at least the the way I play attrition teams is, yes, you you know your game plan is to win by reducing the number of models that your opponent has on the board and you know being able to kill them off. Um, but equally, I think an attrition team has to have. A degree of sturdiness to it. Um, like attrition teams aren't necessarily built out of glass cannons, right? Because you want to be able to weather the storm that your opponent's putting up. Because one, if you weather that storm really well, they're going to have less resources to fight back in terms of power because they won't have generated it as well. Uh, and two, if you're Not losing your models um, to your opponent's offense and like that they're living, like even if it's only barely, if they're living, it means they're activating and they're fighting your opponent and they are killing them, right? Yep. Uh, And cubes does two things one, it damages your models and therefore makes the threshold of damage required to take them out lower, which Uh is both good for an attrition team in the sense of it does that to the opponent, but very bad for an attrition team in the sense that it does it to yourself as well. Uh, Because, you know, an attrition team needs a character to live on one health to activate and do damage. If you've taken that one damage from a cube and you've suddenly gone down, that's a massive deficit. And two cubes give out power. Attrition teams tend to be very good at generating power from their own attacks. And don't necessarily need the help with that, whereas against an opponent, that one power could make the difference between them doing a spender or a really impactful superpower that might mess up your entire setup. Yep, now I can see both sides of that. So the final extract? Uh, the final extract is Alien Ship, um, because as I mentioned earlier, uh, Midnight Suns like having high threat. Uh, Alien Ship is 20 threat, that's the highest threat. Um, yep. And also, it's it's another slow scenario. Uh, you know, I've got demons, I've got intrusions as my secures. They are both very slow scoring. Infinity as well to an extent. Um, and alien ship sort of fits in that theme of yep. having low scoring points, so that effectively the the crises. Whilst they matter, they aren't going to be the thing that loses you the game necessarily. It's going to be whether you can win the fight or not. Yeah.
1: Uh, did you consider Montessi formula at all
0: with your extract legs? Um I didn't, and the main reasoning behind that is uh, it's more energy attacks on the board, which Blake doesn't like. <laughs> That's a really good point. Um, It it is really nice for siege if you can get those beams lined up properly because they are zero-cost attacks and you can siege with them. Uh, But also, typically with the way I play attrition teams, I like doing a lot of builders. Um, The Montesi beams don't generate any form of power, which if you're not careful about it, it can really skew the balance of power as to what you naturally expect to have over the course of the game rather than what you actually end up with playing Montasio.
1: Yep, that makes sense. Uh so we've we've hit on a couple of tactics cards, so let's run through the ones we've already mentioned quickly. So we had Siege of Darkness, Spats, Goat, Hound, we've talked about R and D, and you talked about bitter rivals. So we've we've kind of touched on those briefly. What else have you got in the in, in the in the holster? Um
0: so I've got Heroes of Fire, um Iron Fist, when he does come out, uh, his fire can be really impactful in terms of just getting him in the way of someone that was more important, Uh, and you know, he's no slouch defensively except against Mystic, and even if he is taking damage from that attack, that's just fueling up the Iron Fist, right? Yep. Um, Then I've got Field Dressing as my second restricted card. Um, As I mentioned before, this list has a fair amount of healing between Strange being able to heal basically anyone, free damage, and Blade being able to heal himself with the bleeds. Uh being able to bring someone back, especially if it's Blade, and just having them effectively go from, you know, z- 0 to t- 0 to 5 immediately, can be really, really impactful. Also, it's an activation you potentially wouldn't have otherwise gotten, uh, which is very big for the attrition game plan. Um if If, say, for instance, uh, someone's been dazed before they've activated, but they've got bleed on them, I don't think I would hesitate field dressing them just to get those two actions off for attacks and then letting them die so that they flip and then they're a lot harder to take down afterwards. Yep.
1: Yep. Seems fine.
0: Um, I've got Exceptional Healing Factor in there for uh, both Gabby and Laura um, because typically I'm bringing them as a, in quotation marks, five-threat character, right? They, they come together, yep. taking that card with them, you can use it on either of them. It, it's got some nice diversity to it, and once again, it kind of plays into the fuel dressing idea of making sure something doesn't die, regardless of what state it's in, and then being able to go with it and do damage. Yep. Uh, then I've got Deal the Devil, because, I mean, who who doesn't want a Ghost Rider that isn't dead and gets to go again? Who do you tend to find you take off the table for Um that? I think it depends a great deal on how the board state is looking, but typically I'd look for doing it on lower threat characters, potentially Gabby. Yep, that'd be great.
1: And have, you know, she's often in the mix and ignored by
0: people as well. Yep. Yeah. Obviously, you don't necessarily lose her impact with Anklebiter because of the incinerate that that card spreads. Yep. Um, then I've got. Uh, two, my, my two sort of go-to unaffiliated cards, uh, which are Face Me and Marked for Death. Okay, Marked for Death, I think, is a great card, and I'm not surprised to see it in lots of rosters. Why is Face Me there? Uh, so Face Me is a card that I have become very fond of with the sort of new era of the game after the rules changes and the card updates, um, because with the way that random crises work now, there there are situations that you simply cannot be prepared for with a roster where your opponent might be able to run away with an extract and event- effectively win the game. Um and one of the reasons what one of the reasonings behind the inclusion of FaceMe involved a, a rather irritating game I played against an enemy black cat who stole someone's cube, had her own cube, and then double long moved into the corner. Uh, And effectively, Face Me is a way to allow me to get that character back to me without sacrificing a bunch of actions moving that I don't really want to do, right? So I I have one character walk up to within the range for and just sort of pull them back their speed. If that's a black cat, that's a long move back towards the rest of my team. She's probably not going to have a good team once she gets there. That's
1: a great point. And maybe if you're worried about those Black, Black Cat in particular, I think, is going to be seen a lot in Season 7, so I wouldn't be surprised to see people, you know, considering Face Me more, so that's a great point. So, to round out, we've got uh, some Christmas questions. What has been the gift that AMG gave Midnight Suns this year that you're most happy with? Um,
0: well, that, that'd probably be Blade, considering, you know, that they all sort of came out this year. Um... Equally, I could definitely see myself saying Voodoo. Voodoo's an exceptional character. Um, I Actually, I think the thing I was most excited for when Midnight Suns were sort of coming out this year, uh, because I was probably one of the first people outside of playtest to play a game with them, I played a Midnight Suns game 30 minutes after Blade was revealed against Dizzard. Um, <laughs> But I remember on stream when they revealed Siege of Darkness and everyone went insane because it's Wakanda Forever, but way better. Yep.
1: Yeah, seems seems good. Siege uh, is
0: oh, Chefkis. What's on your affiliation Christmas list for the future for Midnight Sounds? Um so I think up until a few days ago, I probably would have said SHIELD, but uh AMG have already sort of let us know that that's happening, along with some of the retailers. Um, oh, sorry. Uh, more for Midnight Suns. What do you think Midnight oh, Suns Oh, for Midnight Suns, right. Um, for Midnight Suns, what would I like to see? Um, well, they've got Elsa Bloodstone on some card art. Uh, the Banishment card art. Um, we didn't talk about Banishment, because Banishment is bad. Um, <coughs> it is so bad. Um, but what, what would I like to see? I'd like to see Morbius. Morbius would be cool as like a second leader. Um, I'm all for more vampires in the game. Uh, I'd like to see Dracula. Not that he'd be a Midnight Sun, but I think he would be fun.
1: Yep. And he should come with a tactic card. The Moon Knight. Yeah. Where's my fucking money? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that'd be fun. Okay. Uh, Santa has many elves helping him. Who is your affiliations unsung hero that you cannot live without, and maybe doesn't get enough credit?
0: Oh, that—that's an interesting one because I feel like I sing Strange's praises far too often for it to be him. Um, well, I think he probably is a bit underrated
1: in Midnight Sun. I mean, I, I don't think there's a, a particularly a received whistle on Midnight Sun. Yeah, I don't I hear feel a lot like A lot of, that,
0: a, a so lot of the discourse I found around Suns, especially in the in the early days, was sort of an apprehension to play a five threat version of the original Strange, right? Because typically. You saw him in Defenders, and he had the Soul Gem. It was stapled onto him because of portals and obviously the extra power gen you make throughout the course of the game with it. Um, I, very early on, was very, very adamant that Five Threat Strange was perfectly serviceable in terms of power economy, and I think I've been proven right with that because I've never had an issue power-wise with him. You just need to look out for those shields for Shield of the Seraphim, and then you're fine. Yep.
1: Yeah, although you never get one when you need one, is my experience.
0: Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, that's that's cool. Have you got any closing thoughts on Midnight Suns? Um, my closing thoughts are pl- play Midnight Suns. They're really fun. Um, I sort of got off them uh, in the past few months just because I racked up so many games with them uh, when they came out. I think I've got probably close to... I- I've definitely got over 50 competitive games with them and probably close to at least... 75, uh, like total, uh, but like, yeah, they're they're really fun to play um, Voodoo is exceptionally strong if you learn to play him in Sons, you'll learn to play him in other affiliations and, like, if you're learning him to play him in Sons, you've not got the, the detriment of him being an unaffiliated character that you may not necessarily be accustomed to, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, the only thing on my, the word of
1: warning, I've heard people coming away from uh, Midnight Suns and saying, "Man, Voodoo doesn't feel as good
0: without Bump." I mean, yeah, I can see that. Equally, uh, you know, vo- Voodoo not being as good as he is in Midnight Suns elsewhere doesn't mean that Voodoo is necessarily bad, right? <laughs> You're not wrong.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you, Quinn. Thanks for taking the time to talk us through our Christmas present and have a happy holiday. Yeah, you too.